You're listening to the Staffing at Tiffany's Experience. Behind the scenes of household staff. Hello and welcome to the Staffing at Tiffany's Experience. I am your host, Tiffany Kinder, president and founder of Staffing at Tiffany's. And I'm joined with Andrea Brudig, director of placement for Staffing at Tiffany's. Hi, Andrea. Hi, Tiffany. How are you? Doing well. How are you today? I'm great. Today, we have a really great guest, Madison Papp, who is a private chef, and we're excited to have her. Hi, Madison. Hi. Thank you so much for for having me on. Definitely. I was really excited, actually, about this podcast episode because I think a lot of people have just different questions about personal chefs, private chefs, and just what what it is and what you all do. But first, I guess, do you want to just give us a little bit of background about how you got started into the chef business and anything you want to share? So I've always loved food and cooking. I grew up cooking with both of my grandmothers. My mother was an exceptional, is still an exceptional home cook. And I actually ended up going to school to learn how to cook. And it's funny because at the time I had no idea that I wanted to be a chef. I thought that I was going to get this incredible culinary degree and experience and go work in a test kitchen go work for a company like Pepsi, become a food influencer, go into food media. And life happened in a way where I started cooking for individuals and they liked my food and I kept cooking and I became this accidental private chef. And when I stepped into that role, I felt like I was home and I haven't looked back since. That's great. So when you said you accidentally stepped into it and you started cooking for people, were you just getting referrals or requests? Absolutely. People just knew because they'd been at my house, they tasted my food and they just knew I was an exceptional cook and I had a certain level of training. And they said, oh, I have a baby shower on Saturday. Can you help me? Or, hey, I'm having this dinner party. And it came together at a time that was pretty kismet for me. When I was in my early 20s, when I graduated from school, I ended up getting very sick. I had a really horrible case of Lyme disease that was debilitating, and it took a really long time for them to figure out what was going on with me. So it took me years to really fully recover. And as I was recovering out of that moment that's when these requests for cooking and services started coming in. And it, it was it was an incredible opportunity and I jumped at it. And my first official client was a pretty big deal. And I think having that opportunity and that name and that cachet just catapulted me to another level pretty, pretty quickly. That's great. I'm glad to hear that you're recovered from Lyme's disease. I didn't know that. Yeah, it was it was a learning lesson for me. And also it gives me a ton of compassion and grace when dealing with clients who have dietary restrictions or on a special diet for health reasons. We just had a client actually that has an autoimmune disease and she was just literally, I remember her calling. I mean, she was just in tears and she wanted to hire a chef that could just cook just more organically for her. 
And I don't, it was just like kind of stars aligned, but there was this candidate Mm -hmm. that knew what her autoimmune disease was. And she said, I can actually cure this disease. And all her labs are perfect right now. And she doesn't have any symptoms. And it's like, it's pretty amazing. That just touched my heart so much to hear that. And just like I said, how the stars have lined, you know, we're just looking for a chef that she just wants to eat healthier, where this person's like, no, I can actually cure you through food. And that it's, that's just amazing. Thank you, Madison, for sharing that with us. Is there a particular cultural cuisine or cooking style that you find most fascinating or enjoyable to explore? You know what? I, it's so hard to say because I think what makes me a solid chef is that I get a little bit of food ADD. And so I like bringing a ton of flavors and different cuisines and a mix. So it's hard for me to have a favorite because I think if I had the same favorite all the time, I personally would get bored. That being said, I do love uh, flavors from specific regions. I, I love flavors right out of Tokyo and that area. I, I, I love the attention that uh, you can find in Japanese cooking and cuisine and detail that's there. There's a similar excitement that I have towards flavors from the Yucatan Peninsula, for example, flavors that you'd find in Mexico City and the markets there. And so those those are those are two that come to mind. I also had a really amazing experience with a roommate when I was living in New York City, and she had just moved to New York from Delhi in India, and she ended up bringing a lot of her recipes into our kitchen. And I learned so much about cuisine from her region of of India. And that that was incredible. And I use a lot of those flavors today with with my clients. Can you share a lesser known ingredient that you believe deserves more recognition in the culinary world? Oh, goodness. It's hard for me to pick one. But you know, I had this, this, I don't think it's lesser known in the culinary world in general, I think just depends on your culinary training and what you're cooking day to day and where you've traveled. But I had this really cool experience when I was in Mexico City and I was with a chef and he took me on this beautiful walk through some of their beautiful produce markets. And we found pine nuts that were pink. And I just got such a, a kick out of that. And it didn't, I mean, the flavor of these pine nuts are a little bit sweeter I would say you're getting a more intense pine nut flavor with this pink pine nut that I tried. And again, my palate's quite sensitive. So uh, I I haven't been able to find a pine nut like that since. And they were pink and beautiful and they just looked gorgeous and anything I I put them in. So that was an ingredient that I wish I would see in markets specifically in the United States. We don't see it often. Yeah, we definitely don't see a lot here. We were talking about that before. Can you just share a little bit for our listeners the differences uh, between what a private chef is and what a personal chef is? Absolutely. So I think that it's a really personal choice to have someone come into your home and cook for you. And a personal chef is someone who I believe can just come in, they'll make some simple food, maybe they'll do meal prepping. I also think there's this 
under the heading of personal chef, you can have the meal preppers, you know, that are just going to broil some chicken, slice some veggies, put in containers and, and, you know, drop it off or leave it in your fridge. And then I think that with a private chef, you're going more boutique. It, 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 you're going for, you know, the, the Cadillac, so to speak, or the Mercedes of, of chefs. And I think a private chef is perfect for someone who's specific. They, they either know what they want or they have a sense of how they, they want their household to, to look and feel. And with a private chef, you're going to get that experience. You're going to get that highly personalized moment that's going to make you feel 100% every time you sit down at the table. And I think with a personal chef, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's more for people who are just looking for that convenience and they're not necessarily looking towards the greater experience, potentially might be looking for some level of, you know, quality and consistency, but when you're talking to someone who's a full-on private chef who has experience working with estates, you know these are the individuals that are the superhumans of the chef world. They will cook a breakfast, perfect omelet for one, and then they will be told that there are 50 people coming over the next day with very little warning, and they're going to have to deliver. They're going to be sent to a foreign country on vacation with their client that they've never been to. And they're going to be asked to deliver the same level of quality consistency they're delivering in their, their client's home kitchen. And I think that's a big difference. That's very well put. I also like to kind of put the comparison as if, if you have a housekeeping service that comes to your home and they come to all these different homes and you're one of them, the homes on the stop, and they clean your home and they, they probably do it really well. Or you have an executive housekeeper or a full-time housekeeper that's at your home every day and knows your family and knows all the ins and out. That's kind of the similarities of what a personal chef is versus a private chef. So thanks. And I have a good example too, where I think that comes into play. We were talking a little bit before about health and wellness and I, when I actually first connected with Andrea, I was spending a lot of time in New Mexico. And part of the reason I was there is I was working for a client and she unfortunately had some health challenges and had entered hospice. And she was someone who was incredibly glamorous. She had traveled to every single country possible in the world. She'd eaten some of the best food. And for her last months, on this planet, her family wanted her to have the highest level of culinary experience and execution. And that's when I, and a really good example of when a private chef comes in, not just for status, but for a really important moment for a client and their family. And they could not have hired a personal chef to do that job. They needed someone who was going to be able to copy the orange cream tart she had in Paris in, you know, 1997 and continue to deliver a certain level of quality and excellence because every moment potentially could have been her last until it was her last moment. Oh, that's beautiful. 
When we worked together, you mentioned a lot to me about sourcing and provisions. And I know you've had a lot of experience going to unique markets, different markets all over the world, really. Anything that stands out in a an experience or an example from an interesting sourcing and provision market story you have for us? Sure. I think one of the one of the unique attributes attributes that I bring to the table as a chef is I do have some level of experience with foraging. And that is a fun experience. I was in a moment where I was in I was in Alaska and I foraged sea beans right out of the water and cooked them. And that was a unique experience. And sometimes as a private chef, when you get to a certain place in your career, I mean, you should, as a private chef, you should always be wanting to learn and grow. And foraging is one of those things that I, I love to bring to the table because how cool is it if you're, for example, in the, the East Coast in New York, in New York somewhere on a beautiful property and it's April and your chef comes back with wild ramps. That's so cool. And again, I think that also goes into this moment of as a private chef, you really are of service and your, your client's happiness is number one and creating those little moments of excitement for your client are going to really elevate the experience. I think sometimes people think an elevated experience is about the caviar or the plating and it can be, but I think the true elevated experience when a chef becomes an absolute essential in someone's home is when they bring those moments that can't be brought in by someone else. Food is, is it's like everything. And we were talking before the, the woman in hospice is like bringing back the memory of Paris or, you know, in, in, you know, food and taste can bring back just beautiful memories. So when a private chef can come into your home and you say, hey, can you recreate a meal that we had on our honeymoon or something like that? It brings back the memory as well. So uh, if it's done correctly and it tastes the same, which is someone like you can do. Let's touch a little bit about, I know you've worked on in different aspects. There's yachts, there's aviation. What's it like to cook when you're you're in the air? (laughs) I think with private jet cooking, you obviously can't bring a flame on board. There's certain parameters and it's a lot of prep. A lot of prep. And yeah. it's a lot of prep. And you know, it's a whole other muscle. And I, it's funny because a lot of some of the best flight attendants for a private jet that are in the vicinity uh, don't come necessarily from a restaurant background or a private jet background. A lot of them have really learned on the job and taken the initiative to take additional courses and classes because it's not just about the food. It is about the food, but it's also about the cocktails. It's the hospitality. It's also about the, 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 exactly. It's, it's a 100% 360 hospitality experience with very little galley, galley space. You're, you're lucky if you have a partition between you and the principal or client that you're, you're traveling with. And with a chef, we get to be in the kitchen and sometimes we're in open kitchens, but we get to put things in cabinets and sometimes close the door. When you're on an airplane, you don't really get to close the door. And, and I think that's, that's something to really think about as a private chef, because I think learning to cook on an aircraft can also make you a better private chef. 
It can help you when you're in an open floor plan kitchen. So I think every moment is teachable and can translate across different, different modes. Definitely. I think if you can do aviation cooking, you can really pretty much do anything. Yeah, exactly. And I have so much respect for the individuals that go into that space. Yeah. As well as yacht chefs too, as well. I mean, Oh yeah. There's, there's so much that goes into that. And some people are like, Oh, you're a yacht chef. How glamorous. And it's like, "Mm, well, it's a lot of work. No, it's a lot of work. And, and I think when you're working sometimes in a household or on an estate, even if you're living, you get to go and, and close that door and take a moment to yourself. You're lucky if you're a yacht chef and you, you have your own accommodations. And sometimes you really don't get that privacy or you don't get to close the door. So it takes a unique personality that can perform and deliver in a whole other way. Mm, definitely. One of the questions I wanted to ask you is different clients have different expectations and when you have done the trial shift or anything like that, was there any kind of unique or interesting experience and you weren't prepared for it where they just kind of said, Hey, can you find me this or cook me this? And you're just, you just had to go find it. I think beyond even a trial, it happens to me almost every single week in my job. I'm, I think also a trial is such an intimate moment with the client in terms of their preferences. Well, sometimes people, they want to just really see what is this chef made of? And they'll just throw some crazy things at them during the trials. And me and Andrea, have we've seen that, right, Andrea? <laughs> totally. I think I've been really lucky with all of my trials. I, I've never had a moment where I felt like I was completely out of out of scope. But I have had moments in a trial where... I felt, oh, they're, they're, they were looking for something there that they weren't telling me about. And I had to almost read their minds. As a chef, you kind of have to become a psychic as much as you can sometimes, because even if you are communicating with a client directly, or if you're communicating with a house manager, you are not necessarily getting all of the information. And so I think as human beings, we have a lot of intuition that sometimes we don't use that gut instinct. And I would say that I definitely have had moments in a trial where I've been asked to use my gut instead of ask a question, or I've been asked to deliver something that I haven't been asked, if if that makes sense. And in a trial, it can be really difficult because maybe you don't realize that until after the trial is over. And, but again, it, I think one of the things that I think is really important for, for clients to know is that sometimes a trial isn't everything. And if you have a really great personality in front of you that you feel is going to be a perfect match for you and your home, but there was something about the food that wasn't a hundred percent, maybe come back to that chef, maybe give them another two or three days and see. Um, again, I've also seen trials where the chef lands it on the first go and the client is so excited. But then after the fact, a month in, the client's like, oh, maybe I didn't realize I needed something a little bit different, or maybe this isn't the right fit. So I think a trial is really important, but I also think that 
it's not the end all be all when it comes to finding the perfect chef and match in your household. And I think that's also where your business comes into play because you are really the cheerleaders, you are the matchmakers and the coaches. And I think the more the clients can lean on you and your business as Tiffany, as Andrea, the better end result they're going to get. Thank you. And that's what we do. We, we try, that's always our goal is to try to make that match because when a chef's working in their home every day, especially if they have kids and the whole household, you want that person to be, to just fit in. And even when I was interviewing my own chef, I had a few different candidates, but I really felt this one just fit better with my children as well. So, I mean, it's a whole other, it's the whole dynamic. So I agree. Absolutely. So Madison, if you were to create a dish that represents your personality, what would it be and what ingredients would it incorporate? That's, it's such a good question. I thank you. (laughs) So I have certain foods that are my comfort foods and I think we all do. Yeah. And one of them might be surprising, uh, or maybe not. I love caviar and I think I love it because when I was a baby, my parents threw a fancy party And my grandmother spoon fed me some caviar and apparently I loved it. And I kept asking for more. And you, how old were you? I I mean, I I was probably, I don't know, maybe just under a year. I mean, I, I, I had an early age. And also if we're talking about my personal background and the cultures of my family, we've got a lot of Eastern European Russian influence, Ashkenazi Jewish influence, and you do get some caviar that that rolls with with, with that, and especially some of the Eastern European and, and Russian influence, and, and Norwegian as well. So red, black, I, I like it all. So if I was going to create the perfect dish for me, that's super indulgent. It's probably some really beautiful potato dish with a dollop of caviar on top and some level of acid, not necessarily vinegar, but you're looking for those acidic notes that you would find in a creme fraiche or lemon just to pull it all together. And that fat to bring in some fat would be, would be lovely. And that's a personal preference. But again, I have days where I just want something from the farmer's market and Slicing that perfect tomato in the summer or picking something right off. I have a client actually that grew avocados on their property. And my favorite little snack that I would make is just picking an avocado, a little bit of salt. And it that, that was amazing to me because I was getting those true flavors right from the source. It tastes, it tastes completely different than, than what you would find in, in a grocery store. And again, I'm a chef that can make an omelet, but I also can use fancy foams and jellies and, and, and go to that moment. And 
I think it really does come down to comfort for me personally. Yeah, thank you. I hope someday the three of us can get together and share some of this divine cuisine that we've talked about. That would be a, a wonderful opportunity and it's not too far-fetched. We could probably make it happen. We probably could, definitely. I think so, <laughs> yes. Well, I was going to ask you, so do you have any celebrity chefs or, or chefs that you look up to that you'd like to cook with or do you have any role model chefs out there? I think that for me, I find my role models sometimes at work. Uh, I, I, I have no ego when it comes to being a chef. So I sometimes will assist another chef and I won't be the head chef on a gig. And I really love that moment because it's teachable. I learn something new every time. And so in those moments, those private chefs that I'm working with are kind of a celebrity chef to me. But then of course I have some people I would like to, to meet or there. I think Eric Repair, I think he's of La Bernadette in New York City. He's someone I really admire. I like his ethos. I like his flavors. I like his calm, cool, collected demeanor that he often brings to his, his media opportunities. He's he's at the top of, of my list. Oh, that's so great because we're actually bringing him in right now as a guest. Come on in. I'm no, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Aww. Wouldn't that be cool? Thank you so much for telling us that. Can you just, before we close, uh, wrap it up here, can you tell me a little bit about, did you do some studies in Asia in your culinary journey? I did. I was really lucky to take on um, a program in Hong Kong. And I learned a lot when, when I was there. And I also spent when I was in high school, actually, I spent it wasn't a culinary program, but I spent about two months living in Southeast Asia and going to the night markets and tasting incredible food in, in Thailand and Laos and I definitely bring those memories and, and those moments with me into the food that I create for my clients. Very cool. Well, Madison, thank you so much for joining us today and just giving a little bit of insight into what it's like to be a chef and the differences and private chef and personal chef. I'm glad that you could join us. I want to give a spotlight to everybody working in the industry and be able to share your experiences and just, so I just thanks. Thank you for being on. No. And thank you so much for having, having me. I, I really think that you have such a, a rock star team and anyone that comes to you for a chef is, is going to be absolutely delighted. Hopefully this podcast will help to enlighten chefs and, and also clients to really dive in, dive deep and, and get someone incredible on their team. Yeah. Thank you so much, Madison. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye guys. Thank you for listening to the Staffing at Tiffany's Experience. Please share our podcast and stay tuned for more episodes. Visit us at staffingattiffany's.com.